You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. If you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 40. So expectant for the days to come. I know people think we're crazy for moving back to one service. All the church growth gurus say, don't do it. Go to three services, not two. But I'm so tired of conceding. I'm so tired of conceding our values uh, for the sake of the church growth gurus. I want us to be a people that gather sacredly around the presence of the Lord. And that means we're going to be a little inconvenienced as we, as we all... Um, as we all try to squeeze ourselves into one space. But I don't believe it's coincidence that we're coming out of debt at the same time that we're moving to one service to cram into one place. It's gonna be powerful. And, uh, and I just believe the Lord's gonna guide us in the days to come as to how to navigate all this. So uh, I, I love it. Isaiah chapter 40, this is a word that's been on my heart for quite a while. I'm excited to share, share it with you. Um, the title of my message this morning is The Word Stands Forever. The Word Stands Forever. There's this phrase in Isaiah 40, the prophet Isaiah speaks, speaks into the, the, the temporariness, the, the temporary uh, age that we live and proclaims over it that the Word stands forever. The Word being the revelation of God, being the ultimate, uh, the ultimate over our lives is the revelation of who God is. If there's anything that's most important about us, it would be what God reveals about himself. That would be the most, like, the highest pursuit for our life. If there was a God of the universe, a creator God of the universe, and he chose in his wisdom and his sovereignty to reveal himself to us, I think that would be the highest, the, the most important, the, the ultimate for our lives, would be to understand that, to see him. And so he, the prophet Isaiah declares that, that the word stands forever. So I want to ask you this question this morning. What are you building your life on? What is your foundation? My aim is to usher you, to lead you to this immovable reality for your life. The revealing of God, ultimately in Jesus Christ, who the prophet John in, in the New Testament says, is the word. Jesus is the word. So there's this immovable ra- reality, Jesus Christ, that stands forever. The word stands forever. And it's the highest and most important thing about us. At the end of our days, nothing else will matter than what we made of that ultimate revelation, that ultimate revealing to the human heart, the person, the man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, that we've caught that one truth above all else. So I feel like my task this morning is like, it's like leading a group of people to a scenic overlook, to point them to the vastness of the beauty of God. There was this, uh, before we moved to Iowa, we lived in the Northwest in Seattle, the gorgeous uh, area uh, surrounding Seattle, of which there are two mountain ranges on both, both, both the east and the west of Seattle. And so it's just a gorgeous place to live. And so oftentimes when we would host people, family or friends that would come out to visit us, we would, we would take them to, to one of the mountain ranges, either the Cascades on the east or the, the Olympic Mountains on the west. And there was one, speci- one specifically uh, overlook that we would take many people. It was, it's called Hurricane Ridge. And it's, in the Olympic, it's on the edge of the Olympic Mountains. 
In order to get there, you drive up this windy road above the clouds. And most of this drive, you cannot see the Olympic Mountains. It's kind of hidden by trees and, and you're, uh, you're kind of carving in between uh, the water and, and the forest, the Olympic forest. But you make your way up the side of this mountain and you, you get to Hurricane Ridge. We'd walk people to the edge and you'd see the vastness of the Olympic Mountains. And oftentimes, it would take people's breath away. Later, I remember uh, taking my kids to see mountains for the first time, which is, which is a thing, you know, for people who live in Iowa, who live in the Midwest. It's like, you remember that time you saw mountains for the first time. Um, it's lately, you know, we've had some pretty amazing sunsets, and my, my son has been imagining that the, the way the sky looks at, sun, at sunset is like, it's like, looks like mountain ranges. So he's like, hey, Dad, it looks like there's, there's mountains off on the horizon. That's what we do in the Midwest. We imagine that there's mountains there. <laughs> It's like, there could be. I remember bringing my kids to the ocean for the first time. It like takes their breath away. Like they hear stories about it. Um, they see pictures of it. When they see it, when they see it with their own eyes, when, they, when they're there and they feel the force of the, the winds crashing against, or the, the waves crashing against the shore, it's like, it, it kind of sets them in awe and wonder. I feel like my aim this morning, my my task this morning is to do just that with the word of God, to lead you to this overlook and point you towards the beauty of God revealed through his word, the majesty of God, and to say, just look, just behold him for a moment. Just look, I've been, this is what I've experienced and I've been telling you about, but just look at it for yourself with your own eyes. Allow him to take your breath away for a moment, to look at the vastness and the beauty of God revealed in scripture that calls us into a, a devoted life to him. You know, some ask, you know, I, don't, I just don't get scripture. What's the point of this? There's so much, it seems like detail and stories that, are, that make you scratch your head. And like, what's the point? The point is Jesus. It all points to Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, I was gonna say from Revelation, I don't know, from Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus. He's the point. That's what begins to make sense of it all. It's all about him, and it's that reality that stands forever. From before the foundations of the earth to the moment when it will all be burned away, he stands forever. The word, the revealing of God stands forever. So I'm reminded of a story in Luke 24 where the resurrected Christ, so after he's been crucified, he died, he rose again, he appears to two disciples on a road. It's just like his grace to show up to two really um, just common people like you and I. They were disciples, they followed him around for, for three years. But it says in, Revel, or in John, or sorry, Luke chapter 24, verse 27, the resurrected Christ, as he's talking with his disciples, he says, or it says that he, he, or he interpreted scripture to them. Of the, he went all the way back to Moses and, and the prophets, and he interpreted the scriptures of what they said about himself. All the way back to, to Moses and all of the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament at that point. So Jesus goes back through this redemptive story and points to himself. He's like, guys, it all, it all makes sense in me, like what I just accomplished through the cross. That's what all the prophets were talking about. They were all foretelling this day when I would come, the resurrected Christ, the glorified Christ, 
would begin to reveal his kingdom on the earth. So it all points to him. The revealing of Jesus is our reason for being. It's our way of life, our day-to-day, and the hallmark of our community is that Jesus be seen and known, that his presence be known in such a way that even onlookers, people that, that come into our community, maybe stand on the fringe for a while, they say, these are, these are Jesus people. These people have been with Jesus. It's the word that stands forever. It's the word that declares to us that which will last. It gets our attention and says, behold, hey you, look at, look at the one who has come and is to come. And we live in a unique moment in history, I do believe. I believe we live in a a very precious moment in in the Lord's mind and the Lord's heart. This is a moment where the revelation of him through scripture is being literally spread throughout the earth in unprecedented ways. And And I don't say that word lightly. Like in unprecedented ways, these are the days that the, the apostles and the prophets couldn't, even, couldn't have even imagined. You know, they, they lived in days, and this is the way it was for centuries, to have a, a scroll in your community, in your church, in, in your synagogue was, you know, a rarity. It was, it was a precious thing. And obviously, the, you know, the, the, the modern-day uh, uh, explosion of communication through the, the Gutenberg Press and all that changed everything. And all of a sudden, the Lord's word began to be spread throughout the world. And now in this digital age, it's, it's like exponentially gone up a whole nother notch. Not only do we have the word of God before us in printed form, but now we have it in multiple translations, like really accurate uh, translations. Not only, not only that, but now we have all these resources and tools and guides. But I do believe there is a risk that when there's a proliferation of something that we can all, all of a sudden also devalue it. It's like the, it's like the, the principle of, of economics, you know, of supply and demand. I mean, if there's a lot of something, the value for it goes down. And so I believe as, as the body of Christ and as Jesus followers, we need to safeguard our hearts from treating the, the beauty and the sacredness of God's word, treating it as common, devaluing it in a way. We need to, we need to yes, value the age in which we live and value the fact that this stuff can be accessible to everybody in all these languages, to every tribe and tongue. But at the same time, we need to have a high regard for the beauty and the sacredness of this word. And so there's kind of two aspects of God's word that I want to highlight this morning. One is its authoritative role in our lives. And secondly, is its active role in our lives to conform us into the likeness of Christ. It's the authoritative role of the word in our life and its active role in our life. Like in a personal way to cut away the fat, pierce our hearts, to begin to transform us and conform us into the likeness of Christ. So I said we were gonna dive into Isaiah 40. Let's do it. Isaiah 40, uh, here's the quick context of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking into a moment in, in Israel's history of which they are, they're, they're really um, spinning their wheels. They've been in decline. They've, been, they've already experienced division in the kingdom. They were one kingdom, now they're two kingdoms. They're Israel and they're Judah. 
And Isaiah is speaking into this. Now they're in decline. Uh, the, the prophets are foretelling this captivity to come through Assyria. Assyria is going to come in and, um, uh, you know, uh, punish Israel. Beyond that, it's prophesied that, that Babylon will come and also overtake Assyria. And so it's like, it's not looking good for Israel. That's what I'm trying to say. This is, this is not a, a great moment in Israel's history. And Isaiah is pointing them towards something beyond this current context, this current moment, this present reality. What they see with their eyes is they're overwhelmed. They see Assyria mounting on the horizon. Now, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all these like, major players of prophetic uh, storytelling for us as the church, you always need to make sure we're understanding that there is fulfillment in layers as we, as we read these stories. There is the fulfillment historically, which everyone affirms. I mean, historians scratch their heads as they, as they read these stories and they realize, wow, Isaiah literally prophesied that Assyria would come and overtake uh, Israel. That's amazing. Just in the, the realm of probability and statistics, that's amazing that Isaiah could prophesy such a historical moment. So there's that fulfillment historically. But then there's the fulfillment in the coming of Jesus Christ. And we'll, we'll read that this morning in Isaiah 40. But there is this reality that we live in the fulfilled here, but not yet reality of the kingdom. That, that yes, much of this has been fulfilled already in the coming of Jesus, but we live in this anticipation for an even greater fulfillment to come in the days to come when his kingdom is revealed and he sets up his kingdom on earth and, and he reveals the new heaven and the new earth. Like this, we, we are in this moment in history of which the redemptive story is still unfolding. And that should get you excited. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I think this should get you excited. Don't just, don't just read this as, as, as long, like 2,000 years ago, all this was you know, it's done. No, the Lord is still writing a story, a redemptive story in our generation. We're in the midst of it right now. So Isaiah is prophesying into a difficult moment in Israel's history. Let's read this. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God, which is not always the language of prophets. You know, many times they're, they're speaking judgment and warning, but here he speaks comfort because they've already been demoralized. They've already been humbled. Like the, the role of the prophet is to speak uh, a timely word. And right now the people are already humbled. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. What looks like bad news for Israel in the natural is good news in the cross when we realize the end of ourselves, that this points to our need for Jesus. These moments of like our lowest of lows can be good news if we look to the cross. Obviously, we can, we can stay just in that place of horrible news, like this is horrific, or we can allow this to be a place of the breaking of our will and the breaking of our of our like human strength, and we finally come to the end of ourselves, which is the gospel, and we look to the cross, that all of a sudden the good news of King Jesus comes rushing in that says, comfort, comfort, your sins have been pardoned. It's in our weakness that he's made strong. 
His grace is, is made sufficient in weakness. And so the prophet Isaiah says right here that the waiting is over. Jesus has been revealed. The king, the Messiah has been revealed. He declares that it's finished. The war is over. This is good news. This is good news for a weary soul, for a soul that's finally come to the end of themselves. All of a sudden there's this authoritative voice that speaks into our lives that says you don't have to stay in the muck and the mire. You don't have to stay in that place in the, the valley of the shadow of death. That's an authoritative word that says the war has ended. It is finished. We don't have to be strong because the word has revealed that there is an authority over our lives, an authoritative voice that says the war is over. And when we submit ourselves to the authoritative voice of the Lord, that's when his word becomes active in our lives to transform us by the renewing of our minds as we look to him time and time again, day by day. Let's keep reading. As this voice cries out in the wilderness, verse three, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This voice is crying in the wilderness. This is the moment in which we now stand, that, this moment that John the Baptist inaugurated 2,000 years ago. John the Baptist, we, we read about that in the Gospels, he fulfilled this prophecy, that he'd be this, this wild man in, in the, the wilderness, clothed with camel hair and a leather belt, eating locusts and honey. I mean, he's kind of this... this this man of just epic proportions in terms of just like how out there he is. But he was saying, prepare your hearts for the way of the Lord. There is going to be a way pointed uh, out for us, made for us in the wilderness. But he really inaugurated a season in which we still live. We still live in this reality of a spiritual wasteland, of a wilderness, a spiritual wilderness, that's where we reside right now as we look around the earth. And so this prophetic voice is saying, prepare yourselves. The way has been revealed. This authority was revealed 2,000 years ago that makes the mount, this impassable mountain all of a sudden level. This valley of the shadow of death, he brings it up to level ground. Where it looks like there is no way through this desert there is a way. His name is Jesus Christ. So in some ways, John the Baptist embodied the generation in which he lived and the generation in which we live. This, he embodied the, the, uh, the, the wildness of our, like the, our destitute age, spiritual wilderness. He embodied the, the desperation of a people who couldn't come to humble themselves to realize that, oh yeah, we're, we're fine, everything is great, when in reality, they're eating grasshoppers in the desert. And so John the Baptist, fulfilling the words of the prophet Isaiah, he says, look around and see the spiritual wasteland. 
Look, you are desperate. You are in need of the Lord. You are longing to be made whole. And I, th- I think if you're, if you're honest, we look around our generation and we see that groaning, that longing. We see a, a generation of young people who are, are more spiritually aware than ever before. I sh- maybe I shouldn't say it from ever before, but for, for a long time, there's kind of a spiritual awakening. People more open to spiritualism and new age practices. I think pointing to this spiritual groaning in the hearts of men and women, saying there must be more than, to, than what I see with my natural eye. And so this forerunner voice told us that the glory of the Lord would be revealed. And I've said this a lot over the last number of weeks. The glory of the Lord can easily be translated to the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord will be revealed. Everyone will see it. Jesus will be revealed. Jesus is the beauty of the Lord. Jesus is the glory of the Lord. And he will be revealed and he will have this authority to make a highway through the desert to lift up the valleys or make mountains level because the word of the Lord stands forever and the word of the Lord is authoritative and it's active. It's actually relevant in turning our world upside down. Jesus is the beauty of God revealed in a way that man can grasp. So John the Baptist comes into the spiritual wasteland and says, the Lord is gonna make a way where it seems like there is no way, the Lord is gonna make a way. You wanna know what the Father is like? Look to Jesus, look no further than him. You wanna know what the glory of the Lord looks like? Look at the person of Jesus. He is the perfect revelation of the Father. He's the most beautiful expression of mankind of what God is like. And how is it that all flesh will see it together? This is one of these prophecies that I do believe will be even more fulfilled, there'll be a greater fulfillment in the days to come. It says all flesh will see it together. We'll see the revealing of the glory of the Lord. We'll see the revealing of Jesus before all flesh. But I think like one just like humorous way in which the Lord has done this already is the way in which the, our modern calendar has been set up. Everything is centered around Jesus. You know, 2021 isn't just an arbitrary number. Our 2021 counts back roughly to the time Jesus was born. It's like this moment in which the glory of God was revealed in the person of Jesus. The Lord pressed pause in human history. And it's like all history BC pointed to that day. And now all history AD points back to that day of which the glory of God was revealed. I think that's just like a humorous way in which the Lord says, all flesh will see it. Like all world religions, cultures, language groups, will affirm this like international way. And it is, it's become accepted as the international uh, like acceptable standard for, for calendar keeping. And it points back to that, G, that day when Jesus was revealed, the, the glory of the Lord was revealed. Let's keep reading. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all beauty, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. And here it is. But the word of our God will stand forever. This is the voice of wisdom. And more than anything from this morning, I pray that this 
This word of wisdom resonates in your heart. The word of the Lord stands forever. He says, the flesh of this world is like grass. The beauty, like think of all the things that that you regard as beautiful in this world. It all fades and fails in comparison to the word of God. This revelation of God. This is what will stand forever. It's the word of God. And this should be a liberating message to your soul. That says, before you were here, God was, he knew it all. It's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. That he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's why I say this is the ultimate for your life. This is the greatest, most important thing that you can, truth that you can uh, lodge in your mind and allow it to gravitate towards your heart. The word of the Lord, the revealing of God stands forever. Many, many times we, we think that the most important thing is, is myself and my, my life. Everything kind of centers around, around us. But that's such a, such a lie of the enemy. It's such a trap of foolishness. There's a liberating message of the kingdom that says, guess what? Before we were here, he was And now he has come near. He has revealed himself, the God of the universe, the God of the cosmos, the God of everything in existence was here. His eternal existence and the revealing is the best news a person could ever hear. There is a higher authority over your life and he will ever be. He was, he is, and he will ever be. Revelation chapter 22 says this, that these words, you're speaking most directly to you know, the words given to us through the book of Revelation, but I believe that there is an even greater uh, reference to the entirety of God's uh, revealed word. These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophet, prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And John telling this, he says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. That's you and I. Worship God. So this word revealed Jesus. That's what it's all about. The whole thing is about Jesus. And therefore, there is this living authority over our life. This is what we can now base our life on. This is what we can now bank on. This is what we can rely on. This is the lens through which we can now see the world. Again, that's why I say this is the most important truth to be realized over your life. Jesus later says that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The world is constantly clamoring for our attention, convincing us that the flashy stuff in front of us is most important. Whatever it is. (laughs) You know, anxiety and worry reveals, I believe, a faulty foundation. It reveals that we're putting our hope in something 
other than Jesus and what's been revealed to us about himself. But this good news is telling us that it's the word of God that will stand forever. There's a revelation that will stand forever, just like on Sandlot, forever. That's what the Lord is saying over your life. The word of the Lord will stand forever. The revealing of God is ultimate for our existence. This is such good news to our weary souls. You know, where, where our flesh says, stop and be anxious. So once you stop and, and just worry, well, this good news says you don't have to do that and you don't have to continue to be anxious and, and worry and agonize your way through life when there is this revelation that surpasses all knowledge and wisdom and it's Jesus, the word, the revealing of God to man. That's why Jesus tells us that it's the wisdom of God to build our life on this. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven. The wisdom of God is to build our life on this. He says, when you build your life on the word, like actually receive the Lord's word as revelation to your heart and then you actually act on it, like you live out a life of obedience in response to it. It's like building your house on a rock, on a solid foundation. If we don't do that, like if we spurn it, if we treat it as common, if we allow it to go in one ear, out the other, it's like building our house on sand. It's a very simple analogy. We teach it to our kids, but we oftentimes don't allow it to translate into our daily lives. What if we built our lives on the foundation of the revelation of God, revealing of God through Jesus? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward because I'm out of time. But um, me and my wife, we've, in our 13 years of marriage, we've gone through the process of uh, purchasing homes before. And oftentimes when you're, you're going through looking at homes and either shopping for homes or in the inspection period, you can get really impressed by all the finishes and the way things look on the, the first couple floors. But we all know if you bought a home, the real revealing of that home is in the underbelly of that house in the basement, right? Like all the facades and maybe cheap finishes could be covered up. But when you get down into the underbelly of that house, you realize this foundation is like caving in. It's not long for this world. You see the electrical was not actually updated like they say it was. Like everything is revealed in that underbelly. I believe Jesus gives us that analogy in Matthew 7 of like the foundation of our life being, being uh, built on that one thing that matters most. Who God has revealed himself to be to us. That that is now the highest and most important thing about us. As the, I would say the prophet Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your, straight, your, make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.com.